Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about recognizing depression. You know, everybody gets depressed. Typically, it's a response to events or experiencing where goals are not met and expectations are destroyed or even just not met. But, uh, you know, those reactions tend to be short-lived, but they're very dramatic and they have a failure narrative to them, especially expectations. If you understand depression, depression is riddled from the thought disorder not the not necessarily from the genetic component, but from the thought disorder, how people invent depression is very simple. They have unmet expectations. They live with tons of expectations about themselves, about other people, and none of them are getting met. And so what they do is they dwell on it and dwell on it and dwell on it, and they get angrier and angrier, resentful, resentful. They stop having sex with their partner. They lay in bed all day. They have anxiety. They love to invent all kinds of crazy, crazy things that they have to do to make themselves uh, understand why they're anxious, why they're depressed. Well, why they are is because they have expectations. Now, if you want to alleviate depression, it's fairly simple. You replace every expectation you have that is unreasonable and ridiculous and make peace with it by having it as a preference. I prefer, you know, I prefer you talk to me like this. I prefer you would have done this instead of that. I prefer you would do this instead. I prefer you would have done your homework, but you didn't. I prefer you talk to me this way, but you don't. I prefer you communicated better, but you don't. So now we're not all hung up on expectations as if we're God and so important that everybody's going to meet things the way we want it to be. Now that we're not God and we have preferences, we can make peace with the reality that everybody has their own perception and own priorities, and we can't do crap about it. You know, depression is regarded as a disorder when low mood and other symptoms persist for more than two weeks. So mood dysregulation revealed by unrelenting sadness, which means I'm just going to do what I feel. I don't feel like going to work. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like taking care of my kids. I don't feel like making dinner. I don't feel like taking a shower. Well, that's what people do when they're depressed. They do everything evaluating on their feeling. Now, if you go to work and then check in with how you feel, you might feel better. But people love to do what they feel rather than what they think. And so we need to operate. What makes us different as human beings is we have a thing called executive functioning. With executive functioning comes from what's called your prefrontal cortex. And if we do what we think and then check in with how we feel, we have a much better job of having a full and rich life that thing called integrity. But 
people that live in their feelings have no integrity because everything's evaluated on their feelings. And so if you're going to operate by your amygdala, which is the operating system for your feelings, you're going to develop lots of superhighways in your amygdala and very few superhighways going to your prefrontal cortex. So that means you're going to make a lot of impulsive and regretful decisions because everything's operating from depression. That's why it's a thought disorder. That's why cognitive change is important, meaning I'm going to move from the expectation to a preference, and I'm going to live more that way. Now, it's easy for me to talk about it, but it's different for people to actually embrace it and do it. So you can talk about how to fix it, or you can fix it. So most people that are depressed are going to listen to the show and go, oh, I'm depressed, so I'm just going to do what I feel. And, uh, oh, I'm a victim of that because I only do what I feel. I'm a victim of myself. I self-defeat. Yeah, lovely. So, you know, if you're waiting for something to motivate you or a feeling to motivate you, you're already done. Put a fork in it. Your life is what you're going to make of it. If you want to have a life, if you want to actually stop coping, then you're going to step into life and stop functioning and stand up on your hind legs and actually become a human being and do things in your life and actually make decisions and actually take leaps of faith and stop worrying about failure. I'm going to fail. Oh, my God. That's such a childish thing. Life is faith-based. You take a leap of faith to get up in the morning, to go to your job, to buy a house, to, to have children to get married, get a new job, you know, face your day. It's all leaps of faith. That's life. But if you want to live in fear, you're going to be depressed. The end, you're going to be anxious because everything is not meeting your needs. Everything does not feel good. And so we expect life to make us feel good, especially in this day and age where everything is at our fingertips. However, life is not at our fingertips. We have to create a life, which means you have to actually stand up and function. Unfortunately, you know, uh, people don't realize that hard makes your life easier. That means you actually commit to something and fulfill it and do it. And people seek you because you actually did something they don't do and they need you for it. That means you're going to make your life easier. However, most people operate off this mediocre half-assed function of I'll do what I need to do to get by. And those people love to work for other people because they don't want to have any accountability. So depression is very complex and it affects a whole lot of parts of the body also, which manifests what are called somatic pain. Somatic pain means that if, my, in fact, my oxygen level of my brain goes down, which means that I'm going to not breathe as well, I'm not going to take in as much oxygen because I'm anxious, so I'm going to hold my breath a lot. I'm going to breathe through my nose, which there's only one nostril at a time that we breathe through. That's because the other one's stuffed with boogers is because it's dried up. Uh, the bottom line is, is that our brain only gets a little bit of oxygen. And if you're going to give your brain a little bit of oxygen, it's going to steal the oxygen from your entire bloodstream, which means it takes it out of your heart, your lungs, your stomach, everybody that's holding blood in your body, all the organs that are holding and churning your blood. Oxygen is like what makes the sun blow up. So that's how your organs churn. But the brain runs the show. So if it doesn't have enough oxygen, it's going to pull it out of your bloodstream so the brain can operate. But your body is reacting like you're dying because it doesn't have enough oxygen to function. Therefore, 
we go into anxiety and fear and panic attacks and all kinds of crazy, crazy that we love to invent for ourselves. And so if we think about it, oxygen comes from water, 86% oxygen. If you drink water from a sports bottle like most athletes, it's going to actually break out the oxygen from the water for you. If you're going to breathe air, air has about 23% oxygen. And so there's a huge difference of sitting there breathing and actually drinking water. People that drink water, if you drink from a glass, your body's going to have to break the oxygen out of the water, which means that you are going to have a slow delay in getting the oxygen that you need to calm down. Once the brain gets what it needs, it will release it back into your body and you won't have somatic pains. So Depression is feelings of sadness, of emptiness, of hopelessness, a loss of interest in or ability to enjoy your usual activity, you know, from sex to sports, sleep disturbance, whether inability to sleep like insomnia because you worry all the time or sleeping too much, hypersomnia, that's depression also. Also, the biggest one for adults is procrastination. If you're a procrastinator, you're depressed. Likey wakey. You know, you need to understand that that is a huge ingredient. If you're irritable, you're probably depressed. You know, the deal is there's two types of depression. You're either anxiously depressed. You're anxious because you're so depressed you can't get anything done. And you have 5,000 things you need to do, but you don't feel like doing any of them. And then there's also depressed and anxious because you're depressed. So since you're laying in bed all day, uh, you're you're not getting out of bed. You're basically depressed because, uh, and you're anxious because you can't get out of bed and you feel like a failure. So depression can either lead or follow anxiety. Anxiety, once again, if it's anxiety-based, you're anxious, you feel like your life's out of control, you're doing all the things you've, you're afraid of, and so we're going to be anxiously depressed. So medication goes both directions, and you need to understand that both all kinds of antidepressants are built for either one direction, which is depressed and anxious because you can't get out of bed, or anxious and you're not getting anything done, you're procrastinating all the time, everything is about feelings, and so you're anxiously depressed, so the other medications treat that. Fatigue, lack of energy comes with depression, everything feels effortful, you know, it's just everything is like, you know, carrying the earth. You know, the other thing is kids, when they are depressed, they become irritable. That is the biggest sign of depression in children. Also, there's often an appetite disturbance, including a loss of interest or weight gain. So some people seek comfort by eating, 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 and they never stop eating. And they always are hungry or other people just can't eat at all. You know, the anxiously depressed people are often people uh, that go both ways, either weight loss or weight gain. And oftentimes the people who are depressed and anxious because they're depressed will just eat themselves into gluttony. Also, anxiety, agitation, and restlessness is a part of depression. Slowed thinking, moving, talking, you're just not yourself. Feelings of worthlessness and guilt. Uh, you know, my whole life, I'm an imposter. You know, focus on your failures, your blame, your difficulty concentrating. That's another huge ingredient of depression. The inability to concentrate, remember things, making decisions. You know, people that move into Alzheimer's and dementia, 
also become depressed because their ability to concentrate and their memory are becoming disturbed. All of a sudden, with depression, there's oftentimes uh, reoccurring thoughts of death because there's pain in depression. I'm not myself. You know, if you were to break your back and your back is broken and there's nothing you could do to fix it, and all of a sudden that pain is every day of your life, all day, all you are going to focus on is how much pain you're in. That's what depression is like. You just focus on your pain. If you're going to focus on your pain and nothing resolves it because you won't change the way you think, and you're so stubborn about having to be right all the time, and you're always catastrophizing about what the outcomes are going to look like, because a lot of people love e living like Eeyore. Um, since we're going to operate from that perspective, and we're going to catastrophize everything we do, and we're going to live in fear instead of faith. Faith enters, fear leaves. Fear enters, faith leaves. Very simple thing. If you're living, it's faith-based. But people love to live in fear. And, you know, if you're from a Christian perspective, that's called the devil's playground. But the reoccurring thought of how much pain you're in is the reason. And I can't get a remedy to this pain. Nothing resolves it. You focus on that. Eventually, you're going to work yourself. Well, you're going to work yourself into suicidality, which is pain management. People focus on pain, they're going to go to suicidality because that's the only remedy that they can think of to uh, remedy the pain they're in. Now, the way out is to remind that person, hey, you know what? You're going to kill yourself. You're probably one of your kids are going to kill himself because you're leading the way. You're teaching them how to cope with life. You know, your friends are going to have to figure out why did they commit suicide? I don't know. That's awful. How selfish are they? Well, the fact is now they're going to have to think about suicide. There's a good chance that one of them is going to do it. And so your death actually manufactures death in lots of people beyond you. And once suicide is in a family, it will stay in a family. It goes from generation to generation to generation. And oftentimes there's a manic ingredient to it. That is what suicide is. It's a manic act. Mania comes with depression, comes with anxiety, and it comes with bipolar, and it comes with schizophrenia and all kinds of crazy. So if you have these manic features in your life, there's a good chance suicidality is a thought. Also, physical pain like headaches or back pain has no clear cause. That's somatic. And that, once again, is attributed to a lack of oxygen because you live in fear. You don't breathe right. And so and you don't drink enough water. So you sit around anxious and depressed all day. People love to just stew in their victim themes. And that's what depression is. In many cases, you know, what's really interesting is if you go to a third world country where people actually have to survive every day, they have to actually kill their food, they have to actually uh, grow their crops, people that actually have to function in life and survive, they don't know what the hell depression and anxiety is because they can't afford it. So the safer you are in your life, the more easily it is to become depressed and anxious. It is a first world problem. A first world problem because people forget the idea that they actually have to survive in this life. And if they have parents like people do nowadays that'll support them and give them inheritances and let them live at their house until they're 95 years old, you know, the fact is we've coddled these people into so much safety that all they do is think about and form their own demented way of looking at life and their own narcissistic vision of the world because they forgot they have to survive. You actually have to survive. If you did that, maybe you wouldn't be depressed and anxious. However, people are lazy 
and they like to do the easiest possible thing. Mediocrity. Live in the easiest possible existence I can. Yes, that means you're going to live in your brain, and your brain invents depression. So too much time on your hand and too much safety is the ingredient that makes a person most often depressed. You know what? You know, people lose their interest in, in sex, believe it or not, when they're depressed. No one is in the mood for sex all the time, but a persistently low sex drive is a common site of depression in men and women. Wakey, wakey. Just as the disorder affects appetite for life in general and for food, more specifically, it dampens the appetite for sex. So low libido is also influenced by general lethargy, inability to feel pleasure that are hallmarks of depression. What's more, it can also be intensify relationship difficulties, which drives people away because nobody wants to be around a victim. You know, whiners will suck the soul straight out of your body, but love people love to do it. And people, if they can get an audience for it and get sympathy instead of empathy, empathy be constructive. You know, it's kind of sad you're really depressed and do nothing about it. But then you got the sympathy. Oh, well, they're depressed and they can move. It's such a sad life. You know, this is how we live. This is how we prop up mental disorders. You know, can depression sometimes show up as agitation? Of course, especially with kids. They can't afford to be depressed. They got too much energy. Their mind's going all over the place, but they're irritable because they have no direction and things aren't going the way they want them to, especially if you have, a, a, you know, a, a, a abusive authoritarian parents, you know, uh, people love to dictate their children's lives these days. You can't even go to the freaking playground by yourself uh, these days because parents are hovering over you because they were latchkey kids where nobody gave a crap about their life. You know, so now they got to overcompensate and make these kids uh, a part of their control. I'm going to control everything they do until they walk out the door and walk into the world and they can't survive because you were such an overbearing parent. Sadly, that creates depression, too. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk more, more about recognizing depression. So come back. <laughs> Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who are widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned. 
joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome, everybody. We're talking about recognizing depression. You know, clinical depression really is a medical term that is reserved for more serious forms of that disorder. But major depression... People who are clinically depressed experience a whole lot of symptoms in addition to unremitting sadness or disinterest, like sleep problems, appetite disturbance. Their thinking is so restless and negative that usually they burn out. You know, people that burn out, you have to understand, which can correlate to depression, means that you have overcompensated either your values, your time, or something for a very long period of time. And people do not realize that when they're overcompensated, compensating for other people's failures and when they're violating their own value systems repeatedly over a long period of time, well, there's a good chance you're going to burn out and you're going to crash and burn and it's probably not going to be economically convenient for you. Just knowing you're headed for burnout can cause depression. Unfortunately, some people, I'm a pleaser. They love to label themselves as a pleaser. Well, the pleasers are the last to be pleased. If you really want to have boundaries, go, this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. Now you're joining the adult life where you're actually able to form boundaries. But these pleasers, they think they have to get their value from other people. Other people could care less about you. Even your own mother doesn't want to have to deal with your crap after 18. So yeah, they worry about you and all that stuff, but you're supposed to stand up on your own hind legs. And so unfortunately, people will walk through life with their nice little victim themes, relentlessly maintaining their depression so that other people will make room for them to do the easiest possible thing and they only do what they feel like doing. You know, depression differs from sadness. Sadness is a normal response to disappointment and losses. However, depression isn't. It's accompanied by sadness, but it's distinguished by the presence of other symptoms. It, it descends like a pervasive cloud, often without obvious trigger, robbing energy, motivation, meaning, sense of self-worth, and it destroys the most important component of you as a human being, which is your will. Will to power. Nietzsche, the atheist. Nietzsche said, basically, your will is your power. That means you have to have a will to survive, a will to get things done. So you may not have the motivator of an emotion like anger or resentment or, or something powerful like that or happiness or joy. What you may actually have is nothing to draw from emotionally, and that's when you have to draw from your will, which is your basic instinct to survive. 
in first world countries, since people don't have to survive, since they're so safe and easy and everything is so convenient for them and they can collect their millions of dollars and live in their mansions and have their nice cars and, and live their joyous lives and, and order order their, their DoorDash every day. You know, the bottom line is people that live like that are depressed. They get depression very easily because they don't have to survive. The survival is the being in touch with your will. Your will is what makes you operate and do the things that you don't feel like doing. That means you've got to do it if you want to live. If we get back to more of that, maybe we would not just sit around in depression and anxiety all day. You know, how does depression differ from grief? Grief is a normal response to a lack of any kind involving sadness and longing for what is missing, what is, you know, disinterested in your own surroundings. You know, apathy is the opposite of love. So if you are moving to apathy in a relationship, there's a good chance it's not going to survive because there's nothing to draw upon except for your will. And if the will is there, you're doing it for your kids or some other financial stupid reason, but it's not for you. You know, so some people will do that. They'll stay in a relationship with their will because they just need to survive and they can sponge off of this other idiot that they are married to, this gross human being that happens to make a lot of money because they may be smart or have, you know, carved out some niche in their life that they make a lot of money and they've fooled everybody to think that they're such a wonderful person. And then you're married to them. You're stuck with this turd. Yes, you're going to have to do your will. You're going to have to will to either get out or stay with it and make it work. That's what people do. Unfortunately, depression comes with that because you sell yourself out. You know, the willingness to live life is faith-based. I take a chance. If it's not working, I make a decision. It's called character, making a decision. And now people know how to love me because I'm making decisions. Guess what? That's called living. That's called building a life. That's called creating a life. But if you're an indecisive person waiting for everybody else to make choices, you're probably going to be a whiner. You're probably going to be depressed and anxious. And you're probably going to go nowhere very quickly. You know, depression is typically a reoccurrent disorder in which episodes of illness can last for weeks and months because you're depleting your white blood cell count by being worried and anxious and depressed. So your body is not in survival mode. It's in jello mode. And you're going to be a big pile of jello sucking up diseases all day long, susceptible yourself to all kinds of medical issues because of your depression. What would happen if you got off your butt and actually got on a bike or took a walk or actually put put your you know phone on and played some music or played a book and took a freaking walk? What do you think might happen with your life? Wow, that'd be just too much for me. Oh my God, you know, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to, you know, you get this $100 a month gym membership and you never go. That's what propels the gym industry. It's not the people in there. It's the ones that never show up that actually support these places. Depression is typically reoccurrent. And that means it comes in phases in your life, depending on how you think. Your thinking is the engine that operates the depression. You know, it's it's a very high probability that recovery in the early weeks is going to mean that you're learning how to recover from depression quickly. But people that 
love to sit in their depression and just stew in it, and they just sit in it all the time, those people, unfortunately, make it their way of life, and it becomes who they are. So the course of depression is about 50% of the people who have one episode of depression have another. So you have to realize I'm not only trying to heal depression now, I'm teaching myself how to do it later. Studies show that the number of life stressors a person experiences influences the likelihood of occurrence. Now, understand something. Black and white thinkers, people that think in black and white terms, everything that you're either this or you're that, because people love to label these days. Everybody's either you know a liberal or a mega Republican. There's nothing in between that, is there? Well, there is, but these idiots think they have to label everybody in one direction or the other. So unfortunately, we label everybody in life and we become depressed because nobody fits our black and white mold completely. Wow, what a concept. People are gray, they're individuals, and they think differently? Wow, how could that happen? But black and white thinkers like to put everybody in a box and label them that, and that's because they're actually pretty stupid people. Unfortunately, stupid people love to simplify everything. Intellectual people have curiosity, which means I'm actually curious about somebody that has something different. There's no depression in that. Unfortunately, people that like to black and white think are propelled into anxiety and depression just by the way they operate. You know, are people more prone to depression later in life? Yes, because your brain, if you don't use it, dies. Unfortunately, old people love to watch the news all day. They love to sit in front of the television and complain about life. Well, it used to be this way, but now it's this. Oh, my God, these people are nothing like they were when I was younger. You know, these old people love to label everything and put everything in their old box and nothing is acceptable. So they work themselves into depression. Now, if you're wise, you'll actually join life in your older years and get to know the younger generation and get to know the values of other people and wonder, why do they think that way? Maybe I have something to offer them that's constructive. Maybe if I don't criticize them, I'm actually going to live longer. You know, the, the, the bottom line is everybody's more good than they are bad. Everybody's more right than they are wrong. Why can't we recognize those things instead of focusing on what we see as wrong? It's really easy in life to pick out what's wrong. Because if you have too much time on your hands, that's what you're going to do. But if you're in survival mode, you take what you, what's wrong and you turn it into something right because that's the only choice you have. You know, do children get depressed? Yes, they get depressed, especially if they have turds for parents that are over-controlling about every single thing. Kids need to learn experientially. Life is experiential lessons in life relationships are what teach kids pete if you want your kid to be motivated to get good grades for the right reasons that is because another kid is caring about it and maybe they care about that kid and they want to be more like them but if it's a parent trying to dictate them well you have to do your homework and you got to do this and you can't play video games well kids socialize by video games i'm sorry they don't go to each other's house anymore that's the way it is these days so technology has outpaced your reality of what it is to raise a kid you need to welcome that and understand that you want. if you want to isolate your kid, take them away from video games, give them no social life, and dictate their future. Well, that's great parenting. Unfortunately, that's where people go.
you know, kids that get depressed, but there it's more like extreme irritability. You know, other important signs are periods of social withdrawal, sadness, decreased ability to experience pleasure, uh, feelings of guilt. You know, depression in children may be a response to problems within a family, which is very common. But it also may create problems how families function. Some observers believe that the occurrence of depression in children is related to the decline of play. Yes, kids need to play. God forbid. But we've got these turkeys as parents that are so serious about being woke and adults, right? And oh my God, my kid can be a transgender and a this and a that. I'm going to just let them go to public school and let that teacher brainwash my kid. Yes, Yes, we do that. We let our kids into this horrible concept of living. Instead of trying to be a role model, we try to dictate. And if you're going to do that to kids, you're going to put them in a bottle and they're going to break that bottle and they're going to rebel against you. And likely when you're old and gray, you're going to be by yourself because they don't want to have crap to do with you because you're a control freak. You know, think about these things, people. We all have, we are inventing depression in this life. And, you know, as common as depression is, about one person in 10 experiences depression in any given year. So that means all of us experience depression to some degree in our lives. The bigger, you know, the trigger for depression can be almost any negative experience or hardship. We little do we realize how vulnerable we are until we lose our job or we lose a friend or we lose somebody that's been supporting us our whole life or we get divorced or our children dis disassociates from us. You know, when tragic things happen, that is when we start to realize hardship can come at us at any point in time. And as comfortable as we get, we forget that sometimes life throws a wrench and we've got to step into life and actually step up our game. Unfortunately, some people react to it with anxiety and depression and don't survive. And other people go into survival mode and actually function. You know, the, the, the brooding over the most common experiences of failure is what propagates depression. The brooding over what other people think. There's this rule of life. It's called the 18-40-60 rule. If you're going to go through life from 18 to 40, you're probably going to want everybody to look and see what a great adult you are. Oh, my God, you got the great job. Look at the house you have. Look at the car you've got. Look, you got married. Look at the kids. Oh, holidays are at your house. You go on these places for vacation. Oh, what a great adult you are. By the time you're 40, you realize nobody could give a crap about you. They don't think about you that much. And you need to start motivating yourself. That means you stop living for everybody else and you start to understand that I have commodities that other people need. I have developed skills that other people need and I need to also invent a life for myself because I'm not just what people need me for. I'm a human being and I actually have things that I want in my life and passions and purpose in my life that may not have anything to do with my career. Now we're, now we're talking about inventing your individuality, which is called a midlife crisis. And when people go through that, because during their 30s, they get really depressed because they realize their value is less and less and less. My whole life's about my kids, about my family, about my wife, about all the things everybody's buying, all the things we're doing, and there's no room for me. So we get depressed, 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 and then 40, we go into rebellion, we get the 26-year-old girlfriend, and off we go, or boyfriend or whatever, and off we go into our future, destroying our integrity, who cares about that, and then we go into the life reinventing ourselves. 
Then by the time you're 60, you realize you're old and stinky and nobody wants to have anything to do with you. Your value is of little consequence to anyone. And the fact is you can just revert to childhood and nobody cares. That's the rule of life. If we kind of get that, then we kind of know how to conduct ourselves. The early we understand 40, the better off our life is going to be. Loneliness is a huge ingredient of depression, and it's both physical and emotional. And the, it, loneliness exists in everyone, especially in a miserable marriage where you're trapped in your life because you've taken on so many responsibilities. There's no room for you anymore. And that loneliness is, you know, marriage can be the loneliest place in the world. Why is there a uh, divorce rate of over 70% nowadays? Well, it's because people are lonely in their marriage because they don't work at it. They don't understand that we got together because how we felt. That was the only difference between you and other people is how we felt about each other. But we haven't cultivated that. We've just sat around watching TV, staring at our phone all day and not engaging ourselves with each other or our children or anyone else in life. And so loneliness is pervasive. And what does loneliness do? It creates a lot of negative narratives, a lot of narratives, period. And it also fills your life with nothing of but misery and seeking something else. So the grass is always greener on the other side and that's also depression. So take another break here and we're gonna come right back and talk more about what causes depression. Come back. Change your world, change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Okay, everybody, we're talking about recognizing depression. You know, studies show that, that consistently... 
depression is a number of and the degree of major stresses that are experienced in life. And one of the biggest uh, uh, things that's happening nowadays, now that we have this wonderful man as president Biden, who's 90 million years old and doesn't even know how to function. He doesn't even know where he is. But we've got this old man in his 80s as our president. Boy, that's, that's a hyper-intelligent thing to do for our country. But unfortunately, we've done that. So lots of people are in poverty because he could care about anything but himself and his stupid son. You know. And so the bottom line is our economy has gone to crap. We don't even care. All of us are just out here, oh, we have to have this global thing. You got to be woke and you got to be this and that. You know, everybody's so worried about moral change that they forgot the fact that we all have to survive. So, you know, there's a significant enduring stressor when you live in poverty. You know, wake up. You know, it's really highly linked to depression. So if you're going to tie yourself to a business or a corporation, you're going to work for somebody else because you didn't, you're too freaking lazy to go develop a skill in your life that you could actually survive by, or you lack the ingenuity to actually go out there and do something with the skill that you have. Oh, that would just cost too much. Or, oh my God. You know, these are fear-based people, by the way, they're already depressed because they have to work for other people. If you're going to work for other people, Except the fact that you're working for other people and your life is in their hands. Your life is in your corporation's hands. That's a fact. That means that if they decide to lay you off, they decide to lay you off because you're a thing. When you work for other people, you are a thing. It is depressing working for other people because you have to sell your soul to keep your job. Some less than others, others more often, especially these days now that we're all poor. We all have to freaking sell our soul. Not all of us. There's a bunch of rich people out there running the show and buying politicians off and telling us how woke we all have to be. You know, but the bottom line is here we are. Here we are. A lot of us are in poverty and a lot of us are depressed. So if you want to own your life, you got to step into your life. It's called rugged individualism. Make your own path. Stop doing what you you think you're supposed to do and do what your purpose is in life. Actually get on board and do what brings you joy. And God forbid you may make more money than you do working for some other turd, you know? And people love being a turd, but why don't you go lay in the yard if you're a turd? Why do you have to be in my house? You know, thinking, you know, creates uh, the negativity. Overthinking creates negativity. It creates self-doubt. It creates hopelessness. It, can say it creates catastrophization. If we have too much time on our hands with no purpose in life, which most people don't even know why the hell they're here, but the bottom line is, and that's called existential angst, by the way. So if, if we're going to live in this existence where we have no purpose, and purpose, by the way, is not about you. It's about other people. And what you can do for others, including your children, your spouse, and the people you've actually committed to. Unfortunately, people don't understand purpose. They don't understand the value of integrity until they're sitting in a nursing home by themselves and nobody's showing up because the value of their life has always been about them. So sadly, a lot of people operate in a very depressive mindset. And that is not allowing themselves to understand that they have to touch other people's life to make memories. 
that are significant. Their legacy is where they have touched other people's lives. It's not about what they've experienced for themselves, how much they ate that day, what a great meal they had, what, you know, eating that piece of pie by yourself or eating that whole pie by yourself. You know, that's, that's going to create depression because you're living in your own vacuum. COVID did this to people. No, we're not victims, but it enhanced the idea that we can all just sit on our butts and not connect with each other. Eventually, it will be our own demise as a world. But perfectionism is also another ingredient that creates depression. And it holds a grip because all these high standards can oftentimes never be met. And perfectionists have expectations. So what they'd rather do is not do it because it's never going to be perfect. Well, why don't you just freaking get it in the ballpark and evolve with it? You know, the scientific method is based on failure. So failure actually teaches you something. Perfectionists don't understand that. They think they should just pick an instrument up and play it perfectly for everybody all the time. They think that they're so freaking smart, but you're not. Perfectionist, you're not smart. You're stupid because you live as a perfectionist. Life is not perfect. We are human. Stop it. Get it in the ballpark. Take a leap of faith. Make a friend. Step out of your box. Step out of your ego. Step out of your narcissism and actually join life and understand that it's an experiential process. You know, unfortunately, a lot of people with this perfectionistic mentality are actually extremely restricted and extremely depressed. And then they teach it to their kids. Your grades are not an A. Holy gosh, you must be a horrible human being. It has to be an A. You know, I pay $12,000 a year for you to go to this Christian school. So you better make straight A's at that. Yeah, that's going to teach your kids something about life. Wow. You know, learned helplessness is a state of mind in which people come to believe, often through experiences of childhood abuse and neglect, that they have no way of escaping difficult and painful circumstances. And therefore, they exert no effort to change distressing situations, even when it's possible to do so. So this passivity can keep people from taking any measures to avoid a problem or to help themselves when one arises, to seek help from others. And that is, once again, learned helplessness. I have to do it myself because I know everything. The, if you listen to the last show, the, the, the Dunning-Kruger effect, bottom 20% of our population think they're in the top 85% intellectually. The bottom 20% dumb People think they're in the top 85% intellectually. That's how much carte blanche people give themselves in this life. Sadly, you know, the emotional, and by, by the way, a lot of them are leaders and politicians, you know, the, the emotional discomfort of loneliness makes us feel sad. And sadness saps our energy, slows the functioning of all of our bodily systems, companionship, such as a powerful buffer to all human difficulty, that loneliness is said to have even more detrimental effect to your health uh, than cigarette smoking. So if you're going to live in a vacuum, if you're not going to create a life and you're going to be helpless, yes, you're going to be depressed. And who is in charge of that? You are. We have to take accountability for our own lives. Unfortunately, Lots of these people that raise their children nowadays are teaching their children that you don't have to make a life. I'll do it for you. 
It's sad, but the value system that people are learning is destroying our culture, it's destroying our education system, it's destroying our values, and destroying our ability to actually survive. Many people believe that depression is caused by a chemical imbalance. Well, yes, that comes with it. There are genetic components. But what are the risks? factors for depression. Well, yes, if it's in your family, you have a more susceptible thing to get it. Also, if there's a large number, likely, you know, uh, your diet can have everything to do with your ability to be depressed, how you take care of yourself physically, your brain, if you do cardio, is the first place that gets the greatest benefit because it is a muscle. It has 33% of your blood supply. If you want to correct your brain and get it healthier, do cardio because that adds oxygen to your bloodstream and it makes your brain function better, which means your organs will operate better. There's also considerable evidence that when mothers of young children are depressed, they fail to engage with their kids. You know, as a result, babies don't acquire the strong emotional bond that enables them to grow, to withstand stress, to develop emotional regulation, become responsive to others. And so treating depressed mothers, people in postpartum, it's very important because it affects your child. It's not just you that's depressed. It's your child because they don't get what they need from you. And so there's two victims here. That's why you got to step in the tree, but not for yourself, for your freaking kid. Unfortunately, people that are in postpartum, oh, I'm just depressed and I can't, I can't feed my child and I can't do this and I can't do that and blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Get it treated so your child can actually have a parent. You know, and, and if you got the, the male side of it, that they're not doing their job, you guys got to step up too. You need to step into it and understand that all of you have a problem, not just one. You know, around the world, women are 1.7 times more likely to develop depression than men. The differences in sustainability emerges in adolescence. Younger women... The gender gap depression is even greater, although uh, before puberty, males and females have equal rates of depression, but as we move into life, women tend to have more of it. Now, is that changing? Yes, because women are actually stepping into life in a leadership way a lot more than they used to, which is a good thing for everybody. But the bottom line is, is that women also uh, have more hormones and more uh, chemical imbalances than men are susceptible to. Therefore, they have a sense of vulnerability to depression. You know, uh, uh, Women are also more likely than men to seek treatment for depression because men are so freaking proud driven, you know, pride driven, and they tend to uh, disassociate from their problems. That uh, the fact is, women actually get treatment for depression, but men often don't because they're stubborn. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in therapy. I don't believe in antidepressant. Well, then can you get a supplement like Sammy or something like that? Can you at least do something? to lift it? Can you do some cardio? Can you get off your butt and do something? So if, you, if you're not going to go to a doctor, can you do something that'll make your life a little better? You know, unfortunately, once again, people that are depressed are going to do what depressed people do. If you're going to be depressed and you're going to take a me medication, one of the things that would be great to do is to understand that you take it for six to months to a year. 
if you're going to get off it, you don't go directly off it because your brain has to learn how to make the difference of the dopamine and serotonin. That's why you have to pace yourself down over two to three weeks getting off the medication so your brain can trickle. The trickle-down effect leaves your brain the ability to reset and know that their benchmark, the baseline, is where the medication was, and then it learns how to make that. If you just go directly off it, you're going to go into withdrawal, and that's why antidepressants have a bad uh, reputation. Also, your body language affects depression. If someone in your life is depressed, you'll probably notice that their body changes. So you need to understand that your body is communicating depression if you're depressed. That means your eye contact is probably good, not good, your slump posture, your hand gestures, your energy, all of that is affected. You come across that way. You can tell when people are depressed by their body language. And so we need to understand that if you want to change depression, changing your nonverbals is just as important as changing your verbals. Also, people tend to neglect responsibilities. If you're a friend of somebody that's depressed, you need to call them out on it and remind them, hey, this is not like you. What's going on? Chores don't get done. Grooming doesn't happen. Showering, shaving, you know, it may go undone. Nowadays, people are making depression look fashionable by all these men who have unshaven faces. They look like grizzly bears and they're out there, you know, making it fashionable. And they're all they're doing is trying to sell depression to everybody because they look like freaking slobs. Unfortunately, people think that's fashionable. Wow. Ooh, look at that ugly beard. Wow, that's sexy. Wow. You know, it's unfortunately our minds are really screwed up and that is promoting depression. Not taking care of yourself promotes depression. Wow. Also, you know, the idea is, you know, you don't want to rush to judgment in yourself. It's call to action. That is the remedy for depression. Get out there and do something healthy for yourself and then keep doing it and stop doing what you feel. Do what you think. Also, declining physical health comes with depression. So if you want your, your, your body to deteriorate, be depressed and stay with it. If you don't treat the depression, there are medical problems that come with it, including being highly susceptible to the flu, to COVID, and all these other things that are out there. We need to take care of ourselves. But you have to understand that you have to identify what depression is and if it is operating in your life to solve it. It is a conscious act, not a subconscious act. That's our show. I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. And you can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment and the health and wellness channels, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember... Depression is periods of insanity surrounded by horrific periods of sanity. So periods of insanity surrounded by horrific periods of sanity. If you ever wonder how important you are alive, miss a few car payments. Also, silence is bliss. Unless you have kids, then silence becomes very suspicious. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 